This is Sarah and Courtney, and you're listening to Say It Southern. Aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. We're excited to announce a new partner to the Say It Southern family, Renaissance Bank. Renaissance has locations throughout the Southeast. So if you're listening in Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, or North Florida, there's probably a Renaissance not too far from you. If you're looking for a bank that understands you and your financial needs, check out Renaissance at renaissancebank.com or on their social media. As promised, this week, Dr. Kim Swales from Houston, Texas is back, and she's talking all things tech. We're talking gaming, phones, social media, how much privacy kids actually need and parents actually need. Dr. Kim gives the cold, true, hard facts about what all the things are actually doing to their brains and our relationships. Listen, some of this information is hard to digest, but we can do hard things and we can do them together. Let's get it in and say it Southern with Dr. Kim Swells. We're so excited to have Dr. Kim Swells back with us today. Round two, Kim, we have to tell you that round one, I mean, people are still, even last night I got a comment from a friend saying, I just listened to Dr. Kim. Oh my gosh, such great information. I mean, you're kind of a celebrity around here. Yes, yes. And I think so sweet. People are listening to it over and over again, too. And I even remind myself, I go back to things you've said. I'm like, okay, remember what Dr. Kim said about this? Like, (laughs) don't ask her the questions. So, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. And you know, um, I just want to reassure your listeners like, I read that advice myself. I've been doing this for 30 years, and I still. When something comes up with my kids, I have to remind myself, don't take it personally. Don't pepper them with questions. You know, so I think it's just a lifelong thing to remind yourself because some of that stuff just isn't intuitive. But thank you for the positive feedback. Yes. Well, after that interview, we had so many people reach out and want to know more about, and, and us as well, gaming, the social media, like what in the world? This is a whole nother area of, of parenting that we are faced with right now. That we need a handbook for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Complete guide. So we have our pens and our notebooks ready uh-huh. for all the notes. Uh-huh. Well, you know, this is a passion of mine, and I talk a, a lot of schools and churches around the country and in Houston about this because it's something that parents really don't know how to handle, and it's a huge problem. The average kid spends, um, that's 8 to 11, because I know we've got a big age range of parents, they spend about six hours a day on technology. And this data, by the way, was pre-COVID. So you can imagine that's probably doubled now that they're doing online learning and their textbooks are online. The average teen, again, pre-COVID, spent nine hours a day on technology. Can you imagine? That's as much or more than they sleep. Um, And so there's a lot of data on this. There's more data, I think, well, there's more coming out on phones, but video games, there's so much research on that. And I'd like to start there. Great. I'm pulling up a chair. Yeah. I'm clueless on the video games, having girls, clueless. Yeah. So Courtney, how old are your boys? 11 and seven. Okay. So yeah, you're right at that prime range. There's so much research. And here's the thing. 
parents know that video games probably aren't the best use of time for their kids, but I don't think parents really know the damage that they do. And so I'm going to tell you some shocking things about what video games do. And my reason for that is really just to motivate you how important it is to consider. We don't even question considering dangerous like vaping or drugs or STDs with our kids. Like we know that stuff's dangerous, but I think people think video games are kind of benign and they're really not. They are purposely designed to be highly addictive. And the video games that your kids are playing are different than the ones we grew up. I'm older than you gals. We, I remember my parents getting Pong when I was little, little. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Mario Brothers and kind of Pac-Man and, you know, any of those, even like the Wii Dance, those are not bad. But the games that the kids are playing today, um, Minecraft and Fortnite, those were designed totally different. The gaming companies have hired the absolute best, and I would say a little unethical, neuroscientists and neurobiologists out there to work on their game development. And they actually hook up electrodes to the test gamers. And if the game doesn't elicit a blood pressure of 180 over 120 or 140, which is a very dangerous, unhealthy blood pressure, and sweating and galvanic skin responses. And galvanic skin responses are signs of emotional distress on our skin. If they don't elicit that within the first minute of play, they go back and tweak the game until they get that really unhealthy response in the test gamer. What? So they're looking for that. I'm going to have to take a pill to even Hold deal on. with I mean, I'm having a response. Like, I'm having a response right now. Yeah. I don't even have more. Like, what? Yeah. And that's intentional, by the way. Like, they're trying to do that. And, you know, studies have indicated that gaming, it, it works on two parts of the brain. It dulls the motivation center of the brain, which is the last thing you want to dull in school-aged kids. They need to be motivated, especially right now when it's so hard to be motivated in hybrid or virtual learning. They, you know, that's the last thing you want to do. The more the kids play the video games, the less motivated they are to do other activities. I have parents come in all the time and say, my son used to love Little League and now I can't get them out the door for practice. My son used to love riding his bike um, and now he won't do it. And they don't even mention video games, but eventually I ask, how many hours a day are they doing Minecraft or how many hours a day are they playing games? And there's never been a time ever in my practice that it hasn't been related to games ever. They start, the games displace all the other valuable things in their life. And one of those things that displaces is time with family. You know, the other study that just blows me away, uh, there's two other kind of studies I want to tell you is there's some brain imaging studies and these um, are in The Wired Child by Dr. Freed, which is a great book if, if people are more interested in this topic. And I'll send you all a list if you want to put in the show notes of some good books. But um, they did some brain imaging studies and they have shown that game addictions commandeer the cingulate gyrus, which is a key brain part that is involved in motivation, that's the motivation center, and it also affects the prefrontal cortex, which is the judgment center. So what happens is as these kids play a lot of games, their motivation goes down, but they also have no judgment. And let me tell you, the last thing you wanna mess with in a teen boy <laughs> is their prefrontal cortex. It's already a hot mess. They already have really poor judgment. And so to add to that is just super dangerous. So they get addicted to the game, their motivation goes down, and they have no judgment because 
you t you try to point out the issue to them, and because that part of the brain is being affected, they can't see the problem, you know, because their judgment's clouded. Um, it also triggers the reward center of the brain and neuro the neurotransmitter dopamine specifically, and this is the one that always blows my audiences away. Brain imaging studies have shown that when your kids are playing these addictive video games, it does to the brain exactly what a shot of amphetamine drugs does to the brain. Exactly the same thing. It produces the same response. And so these kids, it becomes this addictive cycle where the more the game stimulates the child, the more they need of the game to stay simulated. And I'm not saying it is a drug addiction, but it mimics a drug addiction in the body. It absolutely does. And Minecraft is one that employs this pattern. And I know a lot of really young kids play that because novelty is the reward. You know how they always have to, and I, I'll be honest, I've never played one of these games in my life. I've seen, you know, my clients' kids and my kids, but um, I, you know, they have add-ons and costumes and things you earn and buy in the next reward. That's part of that addictive thing to keep them hooked. It hooks them and it keeps them hooked. Mm-hmm. For sure. And the dances and you earn certain things and you get the dances and the V-Bucks. I remember one time Jason walked in and he goes, I'm not spending another dollar on a <laughs> dance or a costume. So let me ask you this. So is it their friends are playing together, right? So mm -hmm. now your friends see that, that Graham just got some new dance or new outfit or whatever costume. Yeah. yeah. And so then it's kind of like, look what I just accomplished sort of a thing okay yeah yeah I just didn't know if they're, if they're friends were no you can play this. together and okay. what they do now is that they'll call like on FaceTime like on their iPads they'll FaceTime each other and they'll be like oh okay well we're about to build this house we're about to do these things with these pigs and these dogs because you earn certain things you build a world basically okay. yeah and um I don't now listen I walk up there and if Fortnite's happening um I mean, I can't even watch it. The screen is, I can't even watch it. But, you know, we have to re regulate their time and all that on it. So, we, can we move into that, too? Like, how much time yeah. should we be spending? Yeah. And do, how do we manage all that? Uh, that's, that's a great question. And so, let me just tell you really quick. I told you what it does to the brain. But let me just tell you a couple other things that it does. We know that it affects their cognition, their ability to learn and retain knowledge, Long-term effects are poor decision-making skills, and this is what I'm seeing in my practice. I see these young adults, particularly males, who cannot make a decision. We see for the first time in history, we have more women in college than men, oh. and we don't know for sure that that's due to video games, but a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists, and experts are suspecting, we'll know, we'll have that data soon, that video game addiction is one of the reasons that boys are not going to college at all at the same rate as they did five or 10 years ago, yeah. It's the first time in history that that's happening. And boys are living at home longer because they don't have oh, any money. Well, Courtney's <laughs> yeah. happy about that now. Okay, they're going to the curb today. All the games. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, so you ask about game usage. What we know is that, and you're going to cringe when I tell you this, but four hours or more a week is where we see these attention problems. People can't pay attention in school. And what you probably see in your boys is they have this inability to switch from task to task. Mm -hmm. That's the other part of the brain that gets um, kind of affected by video games is that you can't get them to switch from the game to something else. Or, you know, if, if you've ever, the moms and dads out there listening, and, and if you've experienced this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, is that you notice that 
getting them from one thing to another becomes a battle every time. And that's another effect. Um, so honestly, the thing that I'm most concerned about, all that brain stuff is important. Um, it is reversible when you kind of reduce it. But it also displaces the relationships in the family a little bit. And then the face-to-face -face contact and developing interpersonal skills. And we know that good, strong, healthy relationships are the biggest predictor of overall health, longevity, and happiness. More than how much money you will make, more than your social status, more than genetics. The good relationships and interpersonal connections you have are kind of what gets us through life. And so um, four hours max a week if you're under four hours, we don't really see these problems that much. Um, but, you know, when I talk to parents and I dig, they say, oh, you know, they only play about an hour a day. And then I dig a little more and they're like, well, I guess really they probably play, well, on Saturdays it's like six hours. <laughs> you know, and so I think it's easy for us, right? They're, they're occupied. They're happy. They're kind of out of our hair. But if you really take a hard look, most people are playing more than four hours a week. So what do you do? I say do the least amount of media as possible for the longest time possible because their brains are developing. So the younger ones, you've really got to protect them. Put it off for as long as possible. I'm going to tell you what I did with my boys. And I know that what I did is maybe not as realistic because my boys now are 23 and 20. So it's more prevalent. It was prevalent. It was prevalent. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Sure. Um, we had some gaming systems that were gifted to us. My mom or, you know, my sister gave us Wii and I don't know, maybe an Xbox. I don't even know. But I told my kids, I would, I personally, because of what I do, would never spend my money on a game. I was not going to give my money to the gaming industry. So I didn't forbid games. I forbid any violently rated games because mm -hmm. I know that does a whole nother thing to the brain about aggression. Mm -hmm. But I told them if they wanted games like Madden or the mm -hmm. FIFA soccer or whatever it was, Mario, what they had to buy it with their own money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, games were expensive. I don't know how much they are now. About 60 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. They were about 50 then. And my kids didn't get a lot of money. So the thing, it, it was a natural, they just couldn't afford it. And, and when they did get money, that is not what they wanted to spend it on. Yeah. So that was the way I handled it. So then I wasn't saying like, absolutely no, you can't ever play a video game. But I was saying, I'm not going to buy it for you. And this is what it does. I taught them like garbage in, garbage out in your brain. And my boys don't play, my middle son, the 20 year old, does not play a video game at all. He just thinks it's the biggest waste of time. My 23-year-old, when he lived in the fraternity house in college, you know, he played a little bit. And he, he was the worst. He was like, I'm the worst because you never let me play, really. <laughs> um, but it didn't matter, you know. And they both had friends. That's the thing parents think, if I don't let my kid play, they won't have any friends. That didn't happen. Have as few devices possible, another suggestion. Never before school. If, if parents take one thing away from this... And they say, well, I'm not listening to her. She's a quack. I'm just going to let my kid play their video games. Okay, but just don't do it before school. It messes up the brainwaves for the whole rest of the day. They're not going to learn. They're not going to absorb. They're not going to have attention. Just not before school. It's just a bad way to kind of set up your brain in the morning. If they are dependent on games, I tell parents, don't take it away suddenly without guidance. There's a couple books I'll suggest, and we can put in the show notes. Um, but you want to start replacing the gaming with fun activities. Get them outside. There's absolutely nothing better for developing brains 
nothing better than being outside um, in nature. There's so many studies on that. Um, I do suggest that people ban the excessively violent games like Call of Duty and Fortnite because we know that particularly in boys that the aggression goes up. Um, and then I tell families, start with this. Choose an hour a day, a day a week, or one or two weeks a year to be completely off of media. Um, and, and that's by a book called The Time Wise, uh, Tech Wise Family. I love that suggestion. Just start small. Um, but the bottom line with video games and really with all technology is parents just need to be strong. Parents need to say, yeah. and this is what I say to my kids, I love you, but this is not healthy for you. And as a parent, my job is to keep you healthy. And they might get mad at you, but I'm going to tell you guys something, um, and I'm not bragging. I just I want to encourage other parents. My boys both have thanked me profusely for not allowing them to get addicted to video games because when you go to college and you see kids wearing diapers so that they don't have to stop playing the game, I'm not kidding you. I can't. It's the number one reason that men drop out of college right now is video game addiction. And, and the reason that they fail, my boys are like, thank God you protected me from that because yeah. they see it in their peers and they don't see it when they're 15. They don't see it when they're 11 and seven, Courtney, but eventually they see it and they were so grateful. Um, but parents just need to be strict with limits. Well, it's like, <laughs> we know <laughs> this, it's just, it's easy to hear, but it's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. It's so hard to do. But I tell you, um, I work with families every single day on this. We work slowly. We develop a plan. And um, I hate to say it, it's kind of like drug withdrawal. They're pretty pissed off, if you'll excuse my language, in the beginning. But they adjust. And they see their kid come back. That's the quote I get the most. My kid is back. I see my happy-go-lucky kid is back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I mean, even when we go, like, on a vacation or... We're gone for the weekend. I mean, yeah, you can tell when there's when there's a significant break, you, they're a different kid. I mean, not a different kid. It's the same kid, the old kid. Um, we have tech-free Sundays, or we don't do any media on Sundays, and they, you know, they're they're always like, "But can we? Could we watch a video on Sundays? Because that's not really tech." And we're like, "Okay, no, <laughs> you can't do anything." But we um, did that too when our kids were little, Courtney, and I love that idea. And I just want to throw in there, you bring up an excellent point. People ask me, like, are movies as bad, right? Mm -hmm. And here's, there's a really good rule of thumb. The more interactive the technology is, the more dangerous it is and the more unhealthy it is. So the video games are the most unhealthy. Okay. Um, But, and, and television just regular old TV or a movie is probably the least, but even educational video games have that addictive quality. People come to me, well, is it okay for my child to learn their ABCs and their colors and all of that on educational video games or math facts? Sure, those are less dangerous than Fortnite or Minecraft, but they're still not good. It's st- The best thing still is to take a walk and point out the colors. The yeah. best thing is to read a book and point out the letters. And, and there's tons of research. That's not just me saying that. There's so much data to support. Your child's going to learn their colors and their numbers way better from interacting with you than any kind of computer. But yeah, if you need to put your kid in front of a screen to get something done or to take a shower or just have peace in your house, 
a movie or a show always going to be your best bet. Okay. YouTube falls under that same. Well, YouTube's going to be in the middle. Because in the middle. Yeah, that's does, what I mean. Yeah. They're going to hook you to the next video and the next video and the next video, right? Uh-huh. And Netflix is doing that too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying it's awful. Certainly better than the video game. But there's kind of this range. And that's what, think about how interactive is it? How much is it kind of bringing Hooking them to on. the next one, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, I may think of Stella, my four-year-old. She's basically being raised by PBS right now. <laughs> Just like, oh, well, well, maybe not the amount of time she's on PBS, but. (laughs) That's good, though. I mean, PBS is a a good, at least I'm I'm making myself feel better here about like, here, Stella, sit right here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, look, my kids watched PBS. I mean, they grew up on Sesame Street and all that, too. And um, just, I, I, I think TV is fine. And listen, I don't want to be unrealistic here. Kids, technology, I mean, you're right. It's one they can spend time with their friends. And I had clients just yesterday that are struggling with this. And they're like, there's nothing else to do right now. And I know it's different everywhere in the country. But if you're in a place where your kid can't play sports and they can't see their friends and, you know, I I get it. But just think about what it's doing to them and just slowly kind of try to pull it back and replace it with healthier activity yeah well it's just being mindful of what they're doing instead of just turning them loose you know to the i mean it's just another layer of parenting that like we have to be intentional about Mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. to be intentional parenting is hard it is hard good grief so hard so i want to know about cell phones too yeah because my um she's 11 she wants a cell phone so bad and right Mm -hmm. now she's got an old phone but it's not hooked up it's not she can't call anyone yeah. but it's connect when she's connected to wireless she can you know text she's getting text messages it's like through their email and it just yeah. dings all the time i mean it is <laughs> they're not saying anything I, I read it you know and it's like hey hey sup what are you doing what are you doing Nothing, you know, it's all doing? in code and you know i'm yeah. like oh my gosh Ugh. but anyway but that's the perfect way to start um so phones are in some ways less dangerous they are addictive they do have addictive qualities but um phones are more of a problem typically for girls whereas the video games are typically more of a problem for boys and there is research about why that it hooks different parts of the brains based on kind of biology um I'm not a neurologist, so I don't know a lot about that research. I know it's supported by research. Um, It's not just a stereotype. But um, phones are linked to preteen and teen depression, loneliness, cyberbullying, and fear of missing out. That's what we see with girls, where we see sort of these cognitive motivation, decision-making deficiencies in the people who are on video games. We see more emotional symptoms with people who, young girls particularly, who are on phones. When smartphone usage became prevalent among teens and tweens, when it really became like most of them had them in their hands, there was a doubling in the suicide rate in the United States and a tripling in emergency room admissions for self-harm among young girls. And there was a big study um, 
Dr. Twinge did that was published in 2015 that they couldn't attribute it to economy or anything else. We don't see in the field of psychology that radical of a change without something being underneath it. And the only thing that they could attribute it to is that that's when people got a lot of social media for the first time in history and smartphones. Um, they are addictive to early studies um, have shown that children who spend more than two hours a day looking at phones get lower scores on thinking and language tests. So it does affect their cognition a little bit. Um, I love this study that just came out of the University of Texas and I quoted it um, on my Instagram page too. Um, I love it because I'm in Texas and my boys go to UT too, but um, it suggests that the mere presence of your smartphone reduces your cognitive capacity and your test-taking brain power. So they did some studies where if students, college students even had a phone in the lecture hall or in the room when they were taking their tests, they weren't allowed to look at it, but if it was even present, they did worse. And what they found was that kids were thinking about the phone. They were sure. thinking about the text they were missing. They were thinking about, and so it, it kind of takes their brain power away. And studies have shown that um, using smartphones in classrooms does lower students' grades. And, um, and another study showed that children who attend schools that have smartphone bans, like you can't even bring it on campus, those children do better on tests and better academically. Uh, so, a lot of the leaders of Google, eBay, Apple, and Yahoo started a movement called Wait Till Eight. And so when you ask about like the age, um, it's Wait Till Eight, and they talk about eighth grade. And so what grade is your daughter in, Sarah? She is in fifth grade right now. She's going okay. to sixth grade, middle school next year. And so the Wait Till Eighth movement is not exactly about having a phone. It's really about having a smartphone. Um, it's really kind of about more about social media and cyberbullying. And um, we know that teens who spend five hours or more on like social media or their phones are 71% like more likely to have risk factors for depression and thinking about suicide. And social media is one of the reasons for that. And so I always tell people, and so, you know, I knew this data and I still got my kids' phones before eighth grade. In our family, it was um, when you got into middle school because that was the age that they were going to be more independent. They were going to go to lacrosse tournaments maybe without me. Right. They were going to walk to school by themselves. Um, it was the first time that like an adult or me weren't always going to be with them. So I wanted them to be able to call me to pick them up from practice or um, – but I really did not let them have the whole gamut. I didn't give them this fancy iPhone and just say, okay, here it is. Um, I feel like when kids are on social media, whether it's TikTok or Facebook, um, which you think kids aren't on, but some of them are, Snapchat, um, Instagram, there's the social comparison going on. And yeah. we know that for girls, their confidence is the absolute lowest. I think we might have talked, we did talk about this in the first episode. Their confidence is the absolute lowest in middle school and early high school. And um, really the early to late teen years, all of the teen years, but particularly, they're particularly vulnerable in that time. And so if you give them this tool, and we know as grown women how hard it can be, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that comparison. But we can also say, oh, we're seeing a highlight reel or, oh, they're using a filter or, oh, you know, everybody has their problems. 
they don't have that insight right. at 11. And so that's when it becomes really dangerous is their confidence is already at a very vulnerable time. And then, you know, they're kind of, it's being tested. And so they can become really depressed and it's very harmful for their confidence. Um, so what I suggest is kind of my same thing about put it off as long as possible in your family. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, so what do you say? I mean. For, I mean, I know, I know what you're going to say, but the problem that I'm running into is that it's almost like everyone's doing it and, you know, she's going to get left out, get left behind. She's going to miss out. And like, I don't care. But at the same time, I'm like, well, they are, they're all texting. Like she wants to be a part of all that, you know, and they're all doing these TikToks and they're sharing these TikToks with their the girls in their class. And then they talk about it at school and then they come home and create something. And she's like creating content to show all these people and gets all excited about it. <laughs> and so then I'm like, well, I mean, I, I know you're saying there's so much harm, but like right now I'm like, well, I mean, she really enjoys it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, you know, well, and she's connecting with her friends at home. I don't know. You know, it seems kind of fun. Seems harmless. Well, we do enjoy it because it gives us that little dopamine buzz like gaming does. Mm-hmm. You know, those clicks, those watches, those likes, those comments, they give us that little dopamine buzz. And so, yeah, I get it. Um, I have a 14-year-old daughter. And um, so I, I get it. I get the struggle. I She would ask me every single day, can I get Instagram? Can I get Instagram? Can I get Instagram? Um, you know, I, I had a, a, an age in mind that I thought was appropriate for her. She knows what I do for a living. I've shared the studies with her because I'm a dork. No, I <laughs> know. I, I think you, you need yeah. to. And um, so we got her Instagram at the beginning of eighth grade. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. I think that's a great question. And I'm a realist. I don't expect any perfection in parenting or life or anything. Um, I just kind of want to tell people what the ideal is. And then you look at your family values and what works for you, right? Right. There's not one way. But um, what I have, so my kids got the cell phone at like sixth grade, right? Sometime in sixth grade for texting and that kind of stuff. But in terms of social media, my recommendation is this. Let them try one thing. For me, I wanted it to be Instagram with my daughter rather than TikTok. But a lot of them start with TikTok and there's no judgment there. I'm just saying pick one thing that you understand. The reason I kind of didn't want it to be TikTok or Snapchat is I have a little more trouble navigating those. I can navigate Instagram really well. And so our our rule was this. Um, Well, first of all, let me take one step back. When you get your child a cell phone, I highly recommend that you print out a contract, a cell phone contract. And you can find these all over the place online. You just Google cell phone contract for kids or cell phone contract for teens. And you can go in and edit it yourself. But when our kids got their phones, we had a contract how much time they were allowed on it, if their grades went down, that we would limit time, that it had to go in the kitchen at night. There was a certain time of night and that changed as they got older. So when they were young, it may be um, in middle school, maybe we made them put it in the kitchen at like 8.30 because you don't want your kids on a screen the hour before bed. Um, As they were in high school, it was much, much later that they could keep the phone in their room. but get a contract that goes through when they'll lose the phone. You know, what, what are the consequences? So that you kind of go through all of these things when they get the phone. Because 
after the fact is kind of too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but getting back to your question, um, I say, if you're going to start with this, uh, like if she's on TikTok, my advice to you is monitor who she allows to follow her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my daughter is on Instagram, but she has to be private. And we have a couple rules about who she can let follow her. She has to know them in real life. Right. They have mm-hmm. to be a, they can't be friends of a friends of a friend or a cousin or someone who goes to another school across town. It has to be somebody we actually know. And I have her kind of run in the beginning. She had to run every person by me before Mm -hmm. I let her follow, um, have their passwords, have their accounts. You have to teach them. It's like training wheels. You can't just throw them to the wolves with this stuff. So I'm not saying you can't have it. I think you have to teach them how to be responsible on that app, whatever app it is or whatever social media it is. Um, so yeah, have the contract. I, I suggest that people make the car a phone free zone. And I, this is something to do from the start. You mm-hmm. can't do it when they've had a phone for two years. Well, you can, it's just harder. But when my kids got the phone, it was just in our family. If I'm driving you to or from school or to soccer practice or to dance class, you're not going to be on your phone. That's time with us. We can listen to music. We can talk. We can sit in silence, but you're not going to be scrolling on your phone. So, um, I'd like to have conversations, um, I definitely think that's something that we as parents should model that as well. Like even when they're little, you know, when they're small, before they get to this age of not talking to our friends on the phone when they get in the car and hopefully you're not on Instagram in the car, but I mean, I'm guilty of pulling up to a red light and popping it open and kind of scrolling real quick, seeing if we've got any, you know, messages or anything like that and then putting it back down and they see me do that and that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point, Sarah. I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, I think that is so key in this. It's like we can't take all technology away from our kids, and, and nor would, should we. But your your question about your daughter being included or accepted, I just want to reassure you because I've gone through this a couple times and I've coached hundreds of families through this. She is not going to be a social outcast if she's not on all the media. Absolutely not. Kids pick friends based on proximity and interest, and it's not necessarily that. I've seen it with so many kids. Now, I think where it starts to change is high school. If you are not, the high school kids communicate almost exclusively through social media. But when they're in middle school, they still need mom or dad to take them to a friend's house. They still need mom or dad's permission to set up sleepovers and get-togethers. So it's not going to happen exclusively over social media. They're going to tell you that, but it's not really true. Mm-hmm. My biggest advice for all of this, I like this saying called start as you mean to go. And what I mean, it's an English expression, but if you don't want your kid, you know, on all these things, just start super slow. Be is the more conservative because you cannot, it's so hard to rein in once they're on everything and your battles are going to be bigger then than they are now with them, you begging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you talked about modeling, I just thought of this little story I'll share really quickly. I have a, my professional account, but I also have a personal account, you know, like most people do that is private and I, last year with COVID, I was posting my devotional that I was reading most mornings because it was about gratitude. It was a gratitude devotional. And I posted it once or twice and I got so many people saying they love it and what's the name and could I share it? And so I did. 
Well, this year when I I let my daughter get Instagram, she got a teen devotional for Christmas. And every single day, my daughter posts her devotional on her Instagram stories. And I was like, wow, Kate, I'm so surprised that's what you're posting. And she's she's 14, y'all. And she said, well, mom, I saw you doing that every day. And I saw how many people that you, so many, hundreds of people bought that devotional after just kind of seeing how good it was, the gratitude one. And she's like, I just thought if, if I could get middle school kids, eighth graders or ninth graders to like appreciate, I just read hers today. I, I So... I never told her that I never even knew she was looking at my stories, y'all. Right. But what you do, they're gonna do. And I know that sounds like a really cheesy story, but I just want to illustrate to you, they are watching you and they are gonna model what they see you doing with social media. So be a really good social media model for them. Mm-hmm. And you guys are. I follow y'all. Y'all are great <laughs> social media models. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you're authentic, right? I, I see that authenticity, and I think that's the most important thing we can show our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about privacy in this whole world of gaming and social media and text messaging and all that. I mean, should we be... So you said turn in the phones at night. Yes, we're doing that. Reading their text messages, reading their emails. I mean... I'm guilty of that. I'm so guilty. Of yeah, that. I read everything. I think. I mean, well, I was gonna say I, I think I am, but there's like a million text messages. How do you get on. into those deleted files? <laughs> well, and then there's all these different apps. I'll tell you what. As parents, we're never going to be able to read everything, even if you want it, because kids are always figuring out the next thing and the next way to kind of lie to their parents or for hide sure. Things mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. So. You know, I think I'm so good because I'm up on something and then my kids are like, oh, no, mom, nobody's on that. They're on this. You're you so know, ancient, mom. <laughs> yes, I'm so old. But um, so let's talk about tracking first. About 16% of families do track their kids. And I think it's a very slippery slope. I think when your kids are in middle school and they're traveling to a tournament or when my oldest son would drive from Ohio to Texas coming home from college, I would ask him to turn on his location because I wanted to know if his car broke down or he was in an accident or something like that. But in general, I really don't think it's a good idea for parents to track their kids. And it's not just my opinion. There's a lot of research coming out. Good thing is, you know where your kid is, but you really don't know where they are because they learn to outsmart the system. I've even seen, I've seen kids do this. I've seen my kids' friends do this, that, you know, they were going somewhere after prom and they left their phone with a friend at a different location. Can I leave my phone at your house because my parents track me and mm-hmm. I'm going here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They learn how to go around the system and turn it off. They learn how to trick it. And so you're kind of encouraging your kid to lie to you, number one. And number two, I'd so much rather you have that conversation. I'd so much rather you build trust. Kids are going to rebel. They're going to break your trust. And then you rebuild it. I loved the stories you guys told after our last episode of all the ways that you kind of rebelled. And I loved your story. Mom, your mom, Sarah, is so cool. <laughs> what she did with just the beer cap. Yes, Zima, baby. Zima cap. Zima. I mean, so... 
you think about that. Think about when you were a teenager and you wrote in your journal. Would you have wanted your mom to read everything you wrote? I would be no. mortified yeah. if my mom wrote. I'd be mortified to read my own 13-year-old journal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. It's so embarrassing. And I don't want them going through my stuff either. Like, I don't want them reading my things or tracking me and knowing where I am at all times. So I, I don't want to do that to them. And it feels like threats. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like, I'm going to read. I'm... And, or it's weird to think someone's following you all the time. Like, that's not normal. That's not healthy. So here's the what the research shows. It shows that it actually erodes trust and it hurts the parent-child connection. Tracking. Let's talk about reading text. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is not my story. I actually heard another um, psychologist. Actually, it was a, a, a an author talk about this. I think she talks about it in her book, too. Um but she talked about her, her, somebody that she works with, their teen daughter was taken off the group text and kind of isolated from her friends and she couldn't figure out why. And the reason she was taken off the group text was because the whole group knew that her mom read all the texts and they didn't want her mom reading all of their stuff. So you think about that. You're not just invading your child's privacy. You're invading all their friends' privacy too. Mm-hmm. So here's my guideline about reading texts. I think it's, you have to trust your gut. If you think your kid, if they seem happy and you don't think they're vaping and you don't think they're doing things that you would be concerned about, um, and they're doing okay in school, they seem okay with friends, I would not read their texts. I, I don't read my daughter's texts because right now she seems, everything's going well, right? Mm-hmm. There was a time when my oldest was in ninth grade that I sensed something was off. And I read his text, and it was the first time he was kind of getting attention from girls. And he's being a little bit of a player. He was, like, kind of putting out feelers to maybe three or four girls about homecoming. And I was like, Will Swales, you cannot do that. You you, you cannot do that. Lock it up, Will. Yeah. I'm like... Um, and I had a feeling, my husband, and I laughed, but, but we taught him some good lessons about how to treat women. He didn't know he had never raised right. a girl out. So, um, if you feel, if that, you want, we all know that little feeling in your gut, like mm, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Then I say, have a little check. Um, but I, I don't think it's a good idea on a regular basis to read your kid text because you know, that would have been like our parent listening in on all our phone conversations when we were kids. And they need privacy. We talked about this in the first um, episode that we recorded. And the teen years, they want to be in the room. They want to rebel. They want to push away. They want to be independent. And if we're constantly right there, it's really damaging, not only to the relationship, but then they just don't think we trust them. And when you don't think someone trusts you, you don't feel good about yourself. And I think if our kids feel like we trust them, they will be more trustworthy. Mm-hmm. They okay. will live up to it more. But so, you're saying that needs to start at 11 and 12 because by the time that they're in high school and they've got the Snapchat and their text and their pictures and everything else are disappearing, I mean, we really have no clue at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what would you say to teen moms that, you know, are dealing with the kids, you know, in Snapchat where everything's disappearing? Yeah. I think you teach them right from wrong. You talk to them about it a lot. You tell them stories. I would always tell my kids stories because I hear them a lot about kids who got expelled. I I have somebody I know very well. Their kid got like a four-day suspension because they posted a meme about a teacher at their school on Snapchat. And somebody screenshot it and turned it into the dean. And, you know, they were... um, 
And so they were expelled for several days. And so I tell my kids stories. You have the conversations because they, the bottom line is they have to learn to navigate life. Yeah. And if you control all of their media and you read everything and you helicopter there, you're disabling their ability to figure it out on their own. Be there, be beside them, but don't be controlling it all. And I've, I've had clients who follow their college kids. They read their college kids' texts. Okay, oh, my gosh. And they're college, they can't go to bed until their kid's back from the bars or the frat party. That's stressful as a parent. I Honestly, I don't want to know where my 23-year-old is at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. I really don't. Right. <laughs> I think it is better. I, I hope that by the time they go, I have taught them what they need to know, and I can trust their decision-making. And they need to know that. They need to know that you believe in them and that you trust them. Mm-hmm. I hear horror stories that just make me cringe of girls sending pictures of their boobs or mm-hmm. of a picture of them kissing someone. And then our video, and it gets sent out, and everyone sees it. I mean, what do we, first of all, you hope and you pray that your daughter is smart enough not to do this. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what you think. But if everybody's doing it. But everybody's doing it. And and then I just don't know. I mean, I think about myself at 15. I mean, I I wouldn't have the confidence. I wouldn't have shown my boobs for sure. (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, well, She's doing it, and the guys think it's cool, so maybe we should just kiss and do a video and, you know, show them. Or I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, yeah. but um, that, that scares me. Yeah. I think you have to really talk to them about all the implications of that. And I have had, very sadly, cases in my practice where um, – you can be prosecuted for child pornography to have that stuff on your phone. Um, the person they're sending to it, it to can be prosecuted. It is, and I don't know, honestly, I'm going to be very honest. I don't know if it's a federal law or if it's local and state laws, but I would look up what those laws are where you live. And I would, I, that's what I've done with my daughter mm-hmm. and I've done it with my sons. Mm-hmm. I've talked to them. And because I've had those cases in my practice, I've talked, of course, anonymously. I never reveal anything that my clients tell me specifically, but that these, what can happen from that? It can really ruin your life. And to really talk to them very seriously about the gravity of the situation. And just like you would teach your child anything about their body or their sexual morality or values, that is, it's going to vary from family to family. But just have that conversation and make sure that it's really, really important because when they're sitting there in the moment and a guy asks for a picture and they want so desperately for that boy to like them and they want to fit in just, you know, everybody that every teen just wants to fit in, they're going to think there's no harm in it. But if your voice is in their head, Oh, but my mom told me I could get, and you could, if you're in private school, even if you're in public school, you can get expelled. We've had that happen at our school. My daughter was walking home from school one day and someone airdropped a nude picture the moment she got out of school to her phone. She was in sixth grade. Sixth and, grade. Oh um, my gosh. 
Yeah, it, it, but it, it wasn't another student. They think it was like a pedophile who was watching the school looking for people's reactions. Yeah, and um, I mean, we immediately turned the airdrop off on her phone that people couldn't just, but, but that's one thing. Make sure that your kids don't have their airdrop on for just anybody. Make sure that their airdrop's only on for their contacts mm-hmm. or they can get airdropped a lot of pornographic or... Um, you know, sexual images. So yes, be really careful about that. But just talk to them and tell them there are very serious implications of that. And there are a couple apps just real quick that you can get to kind of monitor your kids if you want to do that. There's one called Bark. There's one called the Phone Sheriff. What I love about the Phone Sheriff, I don't use it, but what I know of it, that the parents that do use it, is you can turn on that your kid can only use their phone from this hour to this hour. So you could have it turned off all during the school day, let them use it from six to 8.30, and then the phone sheriff will turn it off. You can do that on a simple iPhone. I turned all my daughter's apps off at 8.30. I just changed that to like nine or 9.15 now because she has dance class longer and some of the dance classes were on Zoom um, during COVID. But you can go in there um, and there's another app called Mama Bear. So if people want to have a middle ground of monitoring there are apps out there and there are tons you can just google them but those are a couple that some of my clients who've had kids who've gotten into trouble because if your kid gets into trouble with his stuff that's when you monitor you don't monitor your kid who's doing great making great choices every day with their texts and their media i mean you you monitor it but when you really have to be hands-on is when they've made some mistakes when you've got a reason that's when i tell people to be a little more aggressive in that monitoring Mm-hmm. Kim, it's such good advice. I mean, I because I was just thinking, well, I got to turn all that on. It's yeah. like, well, I really don't have a reason yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so your funny. gut will tell you. I promise you, if you listen and you pay attention, your gut will tell you when you need to look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trust your guts, mamas, <sighs> mamas yeah. and daddies. Well, Kim, thank you so much. This information, again, once again, we have pages of notes here <laughs> that we have taken throughout this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so helpful, and it's and it's things that we just need to hear over and over and over again, just to assure ourselves. Yeah, even, we just don't know right what we're thing. doing. Yeah, we're clueless. I mean, we just don't know what we're doing. So, I mean, just having a little bit of instruction and just you as our friend and our alias and, you know, to just go, yeah, it's hard, but but we'll figure it out together. Yeah. Yeah, we'll reach out anytime you have questions. Um, seriously, you guys DM me or just email me or call me. I'm happy to help you because I've been down that road. We talked about this last time. It's always good to have someone who's a little bit ahead of you. Right. Kind mm-hmm. of. And, and my kids made mistakes, by the way. My kids posted inappropriate things. One of them got a letter from the dean because he posted something that had a bad word in it. They went to private school and... We had to apologize, but they learned their lesson. That's the thing. They're going to make mistakes. They yeah. are going to make mistakes on social media for sure. Every kid does, but just be there to teach them. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys so much. I love talking to you. I feel bad. You look shell shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That PTSD you talked about. I'm just going to have to lay on the couch for a minute. <laughs> It's good, though. Hey, listen, we've listened to some of your podcasts since then because we're so obsessed with you. But tell everybody where to find you and all your handles and all your stuff. 
So my podcast is connecting with Dr. Kim Swales, and we have a new podcast episode every Thursday. So one is live right now because um, we're recording Thursday. And on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Kim Swales. And I do have a Facebook page. Um, it's Dr. Kim Swales, too. And Swales is S-W-A-L-E-S. Perfect. Okay. Thanks again. Thanks, Kim. Bye. Thank you. Rise with Renaissance is a women's initiative that our partner, Renaissance Bank, developed to show support for women all over the South who are striving to do it all. And that's just what we got to do last week in Atlanta. We got to meet three entrepreneurs who are leading, creating, and growing their business. Rise with Renaissance's mission is to support women on their journey to success. Visit risewithrenaissance.com to learn more. Okay. Well, this week... Talking to Dr. Kim, you know, we love her. She did um, it again. Once again, once she again. She did it again. But I feel like I learned so much, not just about like my girls, but the whole gaming thing, just because I don't know anything about that. Yeah. That's all new to me. Like well, boy gaming. I mean, come on, Courtney. Diapers? Oh, what, the college thing? I know. I, I totally, I kind of have PTSD about it all. So I need to just slowly process what all she was saying because... Okay, let's just skip to the diapers. If what would you do if you were dating someone, or not even not even dating? Because I feel like that's kind of, you know, you kind of know what's going on at that moment. But if you were talking to someone, and all of a sudden you find out, let's say his name is Brady. <laughs> Brady, yes. Brady from Asheville, North Carolina wears diapers, and plays Call of Duty in his dorm room. Mm-mm. What do you do? I mean, I wouldn't have anything to do with him. But, I mean, this is apparently is a thing. Well, I mean, the statistics are staggering. Well, what did she say? Like, guys aren't even going to college anymore. So, we really, we don't have to worry about it. Like, these girls, you don't have to worry about them. If they're wearing diapers, they may not even be in college, okay? Right. Well, they're dropping out of school. They're not finishing college. They're not completing jobs. They're taking off work to do video games. They're betting on video games. I mean, it's just a progressive problem. Mm-hmm. Now, listen. Well, you know I'll we've look- got 2K basketball upstairs. And every now and then, Jason will sneak upstairs and he'll play a little 2K basketball. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get it out of him. It's, but, I mean, if he was, like, betting and doing a killing game or something, I really don't know what I'd do. Well, I work with a bunch of younger guys yeah. at a logistics company, and they do. They talk about some, like, football thing. I thought they were talking about a real sports game and, like, kind of like who had betted on what. Well, no, it was them playing each other. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I just kind of, like, walked away. I was like, I am clearly too old for these. You were like, I am embarrassed for you. Yeah. When really they're looking at me like, this granny doesn't even know what we're talking about here. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. I mean – it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But how scary. I mean, what she was saying about the development of their brains. I know. The prefrontal cortex. Yeah. That just I sounds mean, scary. It sounds scary. I mean, it's true. There's like scientific evidence behind this. This is not just moms being like, well, it gets old. You know, that they're, they're doing all this and they can't do anything else. I mean, this is really affecting them. <laughs> well, and the thing is, too, it's like it, time gets away before you know it because... I mean, like she even said it on the podcast. Like, I'm not not a mom too. Like, I know that you need a babysitter. I know that you need something every once in a while to take their minds to a different place. Like, go upstairs, play the game. Just give me five minutes apiece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. one thing. But when that turns into 
I don't want to play basketball anymore, or I don't want to practice this sport, or, you know, I don't get enough time. It's replacing things. I think that's when all the sirens are going off. And basically she said anything over four hours is really too much. Yeah. And that happens like that. Yeah, I was going to say, but think about like ourselves. Think about how many times you've sat down and been like, well, I've got five minutes. I'm just going to like pop open Instagram and see what's happening. Yeah. And then 45 minutes later, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I still haven't done laundry. I still haven't unloaded dishwasher. I mean, like there's things to be done. And I'm sitting here like scrolling at somebody. But now I've like done a deep dive on their cousin because I like something that <laughs> right. she likes. You You're like, well, she's like, in like, Maryland. Yeah. Yes, and I'm lost. Well, you know the report that you get at the end of the week? I'm so proud when my screen time goes down <laughs> from one week to the next. I'm like, whoo, I really got it done this week. <laughs> I was down 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're all guilty of it. But, I, yeah, the um, the gaming thing, I, I, it's just like you just have to be intentional about all of it. But it's just another layer of, okay. Parents, you got to be on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, what about the, it's like, I kind of want to talk about this just because both of our children, our oldest, are going into sixth grade. Yeah. When Dr. Kemp said she gave her daughter a phone, or her son, one of them, she gave her child a phone Uh in sixth grade. Uh And that's what Taylor May is dying for a phone. Well, I feel like that's kind of the norm. And I know it's the norm among our friends. And it, it does make sense because in middle school, I mean, that's when coaches are starting to, like, send stuff out about great practices, what jerseys to wear, what to do what, what to bring. I mean, I know even for Taylor Mays, like, her competitive cheer, do they do that yet? I mean, the older girls, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. right now, it's still parents. Yeah. But here's my, here's my question then. So, she of course, she wants, like, the new iPhone, the latest, greatest iPhone. Or So, are you going to get an iPhone? Are you going to get – I mean, I definitely would not get her, like, the 12. But, you know, would you get her an iPhone? Because then – they have access to the internet, and then you've got all these other, like, they can get apps. I mean, and we yeah. think they can't. Like, oh, they got to have permission to get that app. No, they don't. I mean, right. You know. I think you set up all the precautionary me- measures that you can, but I will say, uh, my friend Jamie gave hers a flip phone for, like, the first X amount of re- years of her life, <laughs> and yeah. she, she stayed out of a lot of mess by doing that, <laughs> you know? But I mean, you know, it's kind of like what Kim said, one thing at a time, just release, you know, what you're familiar with. Like Kim was like, I gave them Instagram first because that's the platform, that's the platform I knew the most. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. What did she say? Eighth grade? Wait till eight? Wait till eighth for some of the bigger, yeah, social media platforms, that kind of thing, the TikTok TikTok and the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which that makes sense too. Yeah, and one of the things that she said was she accepted, like, let her accept or whatever people that they knew, you mm-hmm. know, which is huge. I mean, who wants some, you know, guy in Memphis following you when you're like, I don't even know if that's a guy in Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we had a problem. Okay, I'm going to admit it. Taylor May has TikTok, mm-hmm. and it was the same sort of thing. Like, um, nobody can follow you, you know, all this. Well, when you are on TikTok, then you can get ads and stuff. So this thing pops up. This was over Christmas break when she was on it more than she normally is. And she comes down and she's like, hey, mom, you're not going to believe this. This is so cool. And I was like, what? You know? And she's like, okay, you're going to be mad because you know that I know I'm not supposed to talk to people online. Well, uh, yeah. So immediately I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, here it comes. Yeah. 
here we go. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, just talk to me now. Tell me what's happening. Talk to mama. So she's all excited. Like truly is cannot believe that this has happened. She has found a way to connect with people that are her age. And my mom brain is going ding, 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 ding. Like your age, what? And of course she's like, don't worry, mom. Don't worry. I told them, I, I didn't tell them I was in Tennessee. I told them that I lived in Wisconsin. And I'm like, yeah, oh, right. you sound like you live in Wisconsin, Taylor May. Yeah. And I told him I was 14. Don't worry. And I'm like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm not worried at all at yeah. this point. Yeah. But her whole thing was like, trust me, mom. It's so cool. Look, I even made a video of it. And I was like, you made a video of it. So she videoed like a screenshot of her talking and meeting all these kids. So it is truly like, it was some ad that sent her to a website. So she clicked on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now she's gone to this website and it's all these kids like chatting and meeting one another. And so it's, she makes a video of herself being like, hi, I'm Taylor May in Wisconsin, y'all. And then the kid is sitting in their bedroom like, hey, I'm Johnny from Knoxville, you know, and then everybody's talking. She's got this whole video and she's like, isn't this so cool? She's like, I've connected to all these people from all over the country. And I'm like, that's so not cool. Mm -hmm. And then, so she goes into, and you may remember this, like from being like in high school, like the, there's nobody picking you up as a model at the old Hickory mall in Jackson. Like those are kidnappers. Yes. Kind of a story. Yes. So she says, and you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? And it goes into mom. She wants to be a fashion designer. Okay. When she grows up, mom. This kid gets on there and tells me that he's actually a fashion designer. And I was like, huh? <laughs> he's a fashion designer and he's 12 on this website, you know, talking, meeting the other 12-year-olds. And she's like, yes. And he says that when I get a little bit older, I can be a model for him. And just all this and her excitement. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there, okay? This is not a child site. And I mean, she's kind of like, what do you mean? Like, she's clueless. Clueless. So, Courtney, I'm like, let me see the site. Let me pull it up. And she's like, sure, sure. So we go to the history. I click on the, the link. And this was, she'd been doing that during the day. This was now like nine o'clock at night. Okay. So she's telling me this. I pull it up and it's like, she's like, well, this is where you can click to chat to people with people. So I click on the button. And when I tell you, it was the largest man's no and that's all it was on the screen and so i am like what and then i realized it's my face like so now i'm seeing this but this man can also see my face because her camera is turned on on her computer were you like oh i sure was i mean i slammed that thing taylor may said what was that and i was like i don't know I don't, I really did not know. It took me like a second peek, you know, you know, I went back and be like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Well, I mean, that scares you to death, you know? Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm saying, like, we think that they're safe and, you know, and they're on these like, seems to be kid friendly things that, you know, turn 8 PM, nine o'clock they're you know. <laughs> yeah. Everything starts going south. But that's what I mean. You think you've got all the protection, you're doing all the things. And then they click on some link that takes them to another link. And then next thing you know they're they're seeing all this and i've actually talked to several moms who their children have seen pornography for the first time sure that way sure like clicking on some link that pops up you know and they've got all the stuff on there like all the protection all the whatever i just i think it just changes so often that you have to just stay on top of all that she went on to talk about you know the nudity and and sending pictures and all that stuff and it's just like how did we get to this point that i really think a lot of it is porn you know, yeah. that yeah. a lot of it's porn. And 
that is what teens are seeing and that's what they expect from other mm-hmm. teens. It's just unbelievable. Well, and you know, it all goes back to us modeling for them too. Not that we're like sending nudies or anything like that, but more so like no one should be able to take a picture of you. That yeah. is not okay. That is not okay. Mm-hmm. Inclu- so we start that now. Like if I take a picture of her, I really do ask her, can I post this? Here's the picture that I took of you. Do you mind if I post this? And she needs to understand that like you, Courtney, cannot post a picture of her. Yeah. You're not like it's, that's not okay. You need to ask her for permission. Mm-hmm. And so that they understand like, no, your friends can't do it. And you can't post pictures of other people without their permission as well. Yeah. And that's hard to go in reverse. I mean, once you're already, you know, at that stage with a teenager, because, you know, we've got parents from all over and every stage listening. And I understand, like, if you have a 16 year old, you're like, well, okay, great. I mean, that sounds great, but I'm already here. We're already here, you know, and that was one of the things that we asked. And she just said, it just, I mean, the more open dialogue you can have and the more real you are about, look, having pictures of other kids on your phone can, can be a criminal offense, can be a child pornography, you know, federal offense. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, gosh, it's so important for us to like stress that to them. It's so scary. Well, and the stats are just crazy about when girls, you know, and they get into social media. I mean, the self-harm and the suicide. I mean, that, that's not just fluffy talk. I mean, we, we probably all know someone has contemplated it at this point or there it's happened to their family members, something. And I'm not saying social media starts all that, but it sure doesn't help. And I mean, I just think about like how hard it is. Like we just, I think as a parents, we need to remember how hard it is for us to watch things on the internet. Like your, your friends going out and having dinner and, and all that. But we understand like, okay, I just didn't get invited. It's not the end of the world. Or, right. you know, I went to a party last week and put a picture up and they weren't mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But for a 13 year old, 12 year old, that's not, they don't understand that. They can't grasp that. Yeah. They, they literally can't cause they don't have the cognizance developed to understand why they feel the way that they feel about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It's scary. It is scary. <laughs> and it's a whole nother layer to parenting now that I'm just like, gum, it's hard to be a parent, you know, yeah. Can we just skip over this. <laughs> just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm so glad that we're talking about it because I feel like it, well, it is, it's in every household in America and all over the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we have to talk about it and we got to figure it out and we got to do it together because I mean, besides, you know, you, me, the audience, the Holy spirit, I mean, surely somebody can get Dr. Kim. We, we gonna have to have some help. Yeah. Cause it's going to take all of us for sure. Because we're all guilty of it. That's the thing. We're all doing this. This is happening in every one of our homes, every home, every one of our children are being exposed to this, like games, TikTok, Instagram, cell phones, text messages, pictures, all of that is happening. Yeah. So it's not like we can sit here and say, well, you know what? This is not going on in my home. Oh no. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't be naive to that. Number one. You know, you always got to assume that your kids do it first. And then if they don't, you're good. Well, that's like that tracking thing she was talking about. I am really like, this gets me fired up. Okay. Okay. Because now I'm going to say it right now. And y'all, you just hold me to it, Courtney. Okay. I'm not going to track my daughters. Okay. But like she said, if they give me a reason, then I will. But I'm not going to track them. I just feel like that is so wrong. And I don't want anybody tracking me. 
And I would have died if my mom and dad were tracking me in high school. <laughs> I was talking about this earlier, but do you remember when you would be on the phone, maybe late at night? Like, I don't know what your phone curfew was. You didn't have your own number, did you? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Well, I didn't either. But do you remember the slow, soft click of the receiver dial when one of your parents would pick up? Mine would go, Courtney, it's 10 p.m. <laughs> It'd be Randy. Courtney, it's 10 p.m. Time to wrap it up. Yep, it, yep. You know, if I was talking to a boy, I was totally mortified. 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 And yep. so now I'm like, think about what all is going down on the text messages. Oh, Can no. you? I would I be. Down where, like when my sister was on the phone, I could go in. You know, you could unplug the cord yeah. to the receiver. Yeah. Unplug it and plug it back in real slow and it would just barely pop. Uh-huh. And they would never know. I right. could sit there. I'd listen to her for days. <laughs> Sorry, Lynn. Nothing too, but just to be like, oh yeah, yeah. I was listening to your conversation with your friend Tracy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to get her upset. I know. Oh, it's just, it's, and that was all that we had to worry about. You know, I mean, the thing is, is that our parents were like, "How are we going to survive this?" But I mean, there's no telling what's even coming down the pike. I mean, we just got to deal with what's in front of us, you know. <laughs> But that's probably how they slept at night. They just didn't know we were just home. You know, they weren't tracking us. They weren't, you know, following our every move. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the people, you know, tracking their college kids and all that. Oh, I just, that's a lot of unrest, you know, for a parent. Mm -hmm. For everybody. You know, I think there's so much of that God-given gut instinct as a mom, too. I mean, you know when to do it and when not to do it. And you just, as long as we're not naive and... We just really listen to our that nudging inside and just, I don't know, mm-hmm. just pray. Just pray. Yeah. And I think being good model role models, and that's yep. hard to do too. Like the, the uh, phone-free zone that she was talking about in the car, I think I'm going to try to do that. Like tr- really keep my phone down when I'm in the car. Yeah. So they don't have it either. Like yeah. get in the car, no one's got their phone out. It's, you know. Well, you got 10 minutes to soccer practice or to cheer or to, you know, wherever you're going. Like, is it really necessary? Mm-hmm. Have them out? No. Well, I did. I loved hearing from her again. And I mean, like, what what do we need from <laughs> next from her? <laughs> well, once again, Dr. Kim to the rescue. Yeah. I want to hear all the comments. We want to get all your DMs about what you're doing to combat this slice of parenting in your house. And we'll, we'll share them on our social media, if you tell us what you're doing and anything that's working, please tell us anything that you're doing. Please. <laughs> that is working. We're all here. We need to know. We need to know. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Say It Southern this week. Bye.